yeah, the main driving thing for me is just like, I always have this these, this vision, I have this vision. Getting up each day is an opportunity for, the, for me to work on that vision. And that's, you know, within the business itself, it's like within our clients and you know, everything that comes together. I'm thankful for our clients and I wouldn't be where I am now without the clients. And I think about that often as well. From Fiori Communications, it's How I Got Here, a show of inspiring stories from Tallahassee area leaders, business owners, and neighbors, all the challenges, opportunities, inspirations, the twists and turns of life that led them to where they are today. Everyone has a story worth telling, and I am really grateful that we get to bring a few of them to you. I truly have been changed by my conversations with these amazing people, and I'm confident you will be too. I'm Dave Fiore, and in this episode, I speak with Sherman Rozier, owner of Fit and Functional, a personal fitness and wellness studio with two locations in Tallahassee. Sherman's interest in fitness was born as a runner at Cobb Middle School, where he had the chance to train with the Lincoln High cross-country team. He would go on to study physical therapy at Florida A&M University and become a personal trainer, developing a hybrid approach to wellness that focuses on general fitness and also helps those with limitations. His interest in business was piqued after working summers with his grandfather on a hog farm and in his stucco business. While he appreciated the experience, Sherman decided he would rather be the person writing the checks. His path took a twist literally in high school when he felt his decision to wear dreadlocks negatively impacted the way he was perceived, both at his jobs at a grocery store and fine dining restaurant and later as a student in the FAMU College of Business and Industry. Sherman has weathered the storms of the Great Recession and COVID shutdowns and continues to follow his dream to make Tallahassee a little more fit and functional. We began our conversation talking about growing up all over Tallahassee. I have two younger sisters. It's kind of a, uh, I guess, a longer story than that. Um, my mom was remarried when I was uh, five. Okay. Uh, I didn't grow up with my biological father. I kind of knew him, but not that well. Um, I only saw him like, a couple of times uh, my, um, at a very young age. So my mom was remarried when I was five. I was adopted by that father when I was 13. That's how I got the last name, Rosier. Um, that's not my birth name. So, but um, he had a family prior to marrying my mom. And so I had some step, you know, uh, brothers and sisters. So what do you remember most about those early years of your life in childhood and elementary school? I mean, with me, I was like, again, I'm moving around a lot. So it was kind of adapting each time to your new environment and and just kind of like figuring out like, you know, like as a kid, like like who you are, so to speak, as a someone that's under the age of 10. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, a lot of self-awareness there. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and was that easy for you to go from school to school and make new friends? And I think the hardest transition, I mean, the first year from kindergarten to like first grade, that was a move. It wasn't that big of a deal because I was, you know, going from kindergarten, not really in kindergarten, you just, you, you're doing building, right. building blocks and whatever. I'm not sure, but that wasn't that big of a deal. I guess the biggest transition was like when we moved from the south side over to Kalarn, 
What about middle school? Where'd you go there? Uh, middle school was Cobb. Okay. Cobb, Cobb Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, for most uh, you know kids growing up, middle school was that big transition as well, going to the to the sixth grade. That's when you kind of determine uh, who you're going to be spending your time with and who your real friends are, who aren't your friends. Right. And you like you carry some of their friends over from from elementary. My biggest thing in you know, going into Cobb, my sixth grade year was. I had these two sets of friends, these guys. One group was not that studious, um, and one group was. So <laughs> I found myself splitting time between these, you know, two groups of friends, and I had to come to the point of like determine, like, you know, like what's the <laughs> best, right. which um, path are best, you going to take? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, completely. And so that's where I kind of like cut ties with some of my friends that weren't that, um, you know on the right path, so to speak, and, and started really spending time with the friends that I felt were smarter than I was and I wanted to be at their level. Sure. So. Yeah, that makes sense. It was probably a good choice yeah. in the long run. And then uh, high school, was it Lincoln? Yes, exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. What were you experiencing then and how were you developing into kind of finding new things you were interested in or what, just what were those years like? Yeah, so at Lincoln, I well, I got into like running and while I was at Cobb, actually my next door neighbor who was a couple years older. He actually was at Lincoln. So at my eighth grade year at Cobb, I started like, in that summer, I started practicing with the Lincoln High School mm-hmm. uh, cross-country team. So that was like my first experience going into high school in Lincoln was running with the team the summer before starting high school. Um, so that was a big part of my high school life was running track and cross country. And all, all my electives, electives through high school were business related electives. My, um, my 11th grade year, I was nominated, you know, outstanding, you know, business student <laughs> okay. for high school. So what uh, made you interested in the business stuff? Uh, so, um, I spent a lot of my summers with my grandfather growing up and, um, he was a, a business guy. He had a, a Stoco company. And uh, he also had a hog farm I would help out at. As where well. was that? The hog farm. <laughs> I mean, where, are, was it local? <laughs> yeah, it was local here in Tallahassee. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, I would spend time with him during the summer months uh, at the hog farm or doing uh, working with him throughout the week uh, on his stucco jobs, where I'd be like, I would be like the cleanup guy, right? You know, carrying mud buckets and sweeping, getting everything kind of clean when the when the job was done, so to speak. And who like you know hand me you know cash at end of each week, um, I would see him like you know handing cash and writing checks to, for other individuals that were working with him, and I just you know one day I said I want to be the person you know writing the checks, <laughs> yeah. um, you know kind of being in charge. So that's that whole business entrepreneur thing came. Did he talk to you about kind of how it works, about expenses and revenue and and all? Not the, like, really. Basics? As I was like I'm a I'm an observer. I I, I look I, I listen. I really don't ask any questions unless I don't really understand. But I don't. There may have been conversations that you know, kind of centered around that. Nothing in great detail that I can remember. But it was just more so from my observation and understanding. Like, okay, he works for himself. He he's responsible for you know getting certain jobs and then hiring people and and being in control and of his schedule and so to for, so yeah. to speak. So that's when, and probably like at, at the age of maybe eleven or twelve. That's when I kind of like knew that I want to go, you know, towards something in business, uh, being, you know, self-employed entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so after high school, you uh, attended Florida A&M University. Correct. Right. Was that directly out of high school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. 
And um, was that always the plan? Was FAMU always where you wanted to be, or what was that no, decision not, process? Not like? necessarily. So, um, so I worked my way through college. So I, I had a partial scholarship to like Brown University, actually, which I never like accepted because even with a partial scholarship, I was like, you know, I like I couldn't I, could, I couldn't afford it. I applied to FAMU, and more so to of the fact that versus anywhere else because I wanted to actually experience, I guess, the black experience, so to speak. Mm. Growing up, because we moved out to Killarney when I was age 10, and the majority of my friends were were white. I had a a couple of black friends as well, but I I felt kind of like disconnected from the black community. Well, my reason was like to to go to a historically black college and kind of like, I guess learn more about my you know like my heritage of myself and, and yeah. be a part of that. Uh, even though like and, and when I was in, at COP, I was a member of the Black History Rainbow team. You know all all out like like well my seventh grade and, and eighth grade year. So I always had like an interest in, in Black history as well. Uh, but my, that was my reason. One of my reasons for going to FAMU that it was one it was it was local, um, and then also uh, that I felt that I would I. In my heart, I wanted to experience that versus like going yeah. to FSU or something like that. All right. So you're at FAMU. You earned a degree in physical therapy. Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So was in what year was that? Um, 98. 98. I originally went this with the FAM not for PT, not for physical therapy, but for business. Oh, okay. So um, so what 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 uh, what caused you to make that change? <laughs> so I got there. I did my, my first year, my freshman year. Uh, just your general studies, and um, you know, speaking with my advisor here and there, and she thought I should be a math major because I was really good at math, but that wasn't like my desire. But uh, and like finding out more about the the SBI School of Business and Industry at mm-hmm. FAMU, it's very geared toward corporate business, um, not necessarily through for entrepreneurship. And I wasn't really like corporate world wasn't my sort of goal, like working, you know, in the corporate world. Um, but more just being an entrepreneur, whatever that meant or what I would do. But uh, towards the end of my freshman year, uh, you know, I started learning more about the School of, of Business and Industry and and then kind of decided I didn't want to go there. Partially at that point in time, I had dreads too. This was another big deciding factor. This tells a little bit about me as well. Um, it was very conservative. This is in the mid nineties. So wearing it, suits to class. Oh yeah. Bam right. you you gotta be you gotta right. be dressed pretty nice go, go in to the class. business school. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're dressing yeah. the part. Yeah, dressing the part, yeah. Right. Even at fam, even if you're not in business school, you're still dressing well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but especially in the business school, yeah, you gotta like look clean cut, conservative and because um, you're pro- with like you said, some of that is aimed toward corporate America. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, you know, at that point in time, like you know, being uh you know, African American, black male, you like you want to like you know make sure you nothing's holding you back, you know, for as like appearance wise or whatever it may be. But I had dreads at that point in time. My whole process of growing dreads was a whole new topic as well. I decided that. Um, well, I'm I'm interested in that. So, <laughs> what, when did you start growing dreads and why? Um, uh, so, I mean, we can lead up to the whole. The, the business stuff too. Okay, at, yeah. At However that ties together. Yeah. <laughs> my high school year, my senior year in high school, uh, during spring break, I had a high top fade, which was pretty popular back then. <laughs> we're at St. George Island, me and a bunch of my friends, and 
and I had the idea I wanted to grow dreads, you know, get my hair dreaded. Talking about it, whatever, and then like one evening, next thing I know, like my friends that are around me, like, like three female friends that are from high school, they're around me that start twisting my hair. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just sitting, they just start, it's like, we're gonna, you're gonna dread your hair. So, so that's how it all started. And I got back to my house, got back home from spring break. My mom's like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so the top is, is, is twisted, but twisted. the sides are still fade. Exactly. Still faded, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. You got it. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and your mom was not a fan. Not at all. I kept the man. At that time, I was working at a cashier at Food Lion that was open back then in Killarne. But, um, right. So what I would have to do, like, uh, I would twist my hair during the weekday, but when I went to church, I had to take it out. I would come back home from church and twist it back up. That's again. really how dreads are supposed to work, right? <laughs> it's not. They got to stay in, so they lock up over a period of time. Right. <laughs> um, but that went on for I don't know, like maybe a, a month or two. It's like I was just trying to like, you know, do what I wanted at the same time, but you know, appease my parents and at this. But um, but eventually, everyone just kind of like went with it. And a part of that too, experience wise, at working at Food Lion as a cashier. At that time, they had recently started doing drug testing. And my supervisor, my, the manager, she was actually a black woman. So, uh, she was kind of like my mom, like, uh, you know, we don't know if we don't have to have dreads at our, you mm. know, whatever. It's a whole like stereotype that went along with that. That was not necessarily true. And again, that seems so strange now. Yeah. To, yeah. But back then. Back then in yeah. Tallahassee. Right. You know, if you're in like South Florida, Florida or Miami, it yeah, whatever. But here in Tallahassee, you didn't see a whole lot of black guys in, in the mid-90s with dreads. Right. So, but anyways, working at, at, the, at the grocery store, and uh, they started doing these drug testings, like, and, like, my name came up, like, a little bit too often for my liking. They were supposed to be random? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, every three months or whatever. Okay. So, and I'm, I was, I mean, even though I had dreads, I was, like, the clean cut, cons- like, kind of conservative in dress and whatever type of kid. So, but anyways, like after, at, during that course of the time of this, like the first time it happened and then the second time it happened, there was a, a woman who was a customer who came in pretty often. Her name was Connie. Her and her brother owned a restaurant called The White Swan. Mm-hmm. So one day she came through the line and said, hey, like, I love your demeanor. And and so like, if you ever like want to work as a server, like here's my card, contact me. And so oh, I don't know about like waiting tables. Like I don't, you know, I'm not that outgoing of a person to like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to wait tables. Right. <laughs> um, but um, but anyway, so I kept her information. And then after the third time, I was called for this random drug test. Like within like six months, I was like, uh, whatever, I'm out. And not because I was trying to hide anything. So like I didn't want to be like you know you know, treat it in that way. So somehow your appearance, specifically your hair, yes, led people to think you were more likely to take drugs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I, w- I was <laughs> being sarcastic. <laughs> um, but so um, that was like the final draw. And I, I said, I'm leaving, whatever. I was going to quitting. And uh, my supervisor, um, I can't remember his name right now, but nice dude, nice guy. He says, like, oh, like, we don't want you to quit. We're going to give you a raise and da-da-da-da. Because mm-hmm. I'm the type of person, like, I, whatever job I do, I'm going to do my best at it. Yeah. And I work I work hard no matter what. If I'm working for someone else, I'm still working hard for you. So that was never an issue. It was just a hair thing. But I called up Connie 
it's like, oh, like I want to you know come in and interview and see what this whole like waiting tables is all about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so. Or you have to engage with people constantly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? And that was another eye-opening experience and learning experience for me too. Like you know, um, so in a way, is it's very positive. Um, so that's what I did. I I, I quit. Uh, working there as a cashier and started working for the White Swan, which was fine dining restaurant. And then I had my own experiences there too that weren't that great um, mm-hmm. because of my race. Her and Mike were awesome employees and I mean, they loved their staff and it was a great place to work. Um, it was stressful at times because like you, you had to come in and, and learn the menu like each time because it was different and right. you couldn't, you could not, you know, re- recite it off a piece of paper. You had to know it. So when it comes back to the hair issue and then the dreads, so those things that I kind of like went through, you know, being the person I am, like my hair didn't change who I was. I mean, I was, I mean, I considered myself pretty upright individual and, you know, doing the right things as, as, as much as possible at FAMU. So it was you know kind of facing that again. Yeah, the same same issue. Yeah. Right? So I was like, ah, I'm, I'm, I don't think I want to. Um, so I um, kind of like started learning more about physical therapy because I always had a love for a love for health and wellness, um, the human body. I was always athletic growing up. I mean, I did martial arts as well for like five years. Were you running at FAMU at all, like intramurals no, or anything? No, I didn't do any. I didn't do any athletics. I was still doing martial arts at that time. Okay. I started doing that in, in midway through high school and, and did it through through uh, through college until PT school started. But uh, anyway, so I did. I started learning more about physical therapy. I had a friend who was applying for the program, and he kind of mentioned it to me. So I started researching more. So, oh, that sounds great. I love the human body. I love health and wellness, and that's what I that's what I started pursuing. Okay. So yeah. So when you graduate. Did you were you a physical therapist or what what, yeah. what happened right after you, yeah, you that's finished? A, that's another huge story with it itself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get my degree like right away. Okay. So my whole goal for like going to PT school, like to right off the top, is like I wanted to my goal was not to be a physical therapist like long term. So at that point in time you can get out get out of PT school and start you can make sixty to seven K coming out of school. I, so I said, oh, that's pretty cool. So I figured I'll just work as a therapist for like two to three years. Don't spend any money. Just save and start whatever business I want to start. Okay. It could have been a freaking a pet shop. I didn't know, even though I'm not a big fan of pets. But <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> uh, but All whatever right. it may be, I didn't know at that yeah. point in time. Right. Um, but that was, my, that was my whole thought process, applying and going to PG school. Upon finishing my, my – this is right, – so this is what happened. My last rotation – was in for PT school. You had to do like four rotations or uh, internships. They last like a month each. The last one I did was in, in Miami at a um, small hospital, Parkway Regional is what it was called. And uh, I did a combination of like acute care, pediatrics, and orthopedics uh, in that rotation. Mm-hmm. All, all, I failed that internship. I didn't pass it. And partially, it's it's like one of those things where where you have a CI, which is your clinical instructor. Um, we did not get along whatsoever. Um, and we kind of like butted heads on things as far as like what I learned through previous internships and through school um, and what she learned. So that uh, derailed your progress. Yeah, it derailed me completely. Um, so I couldn't graduate not having that rotation as a fail. Not saying it was completely her fault or whoever, what, either way it happened. But I passed my last internship at, at, at Tampa, finished it, and went back to Tallahassee. And then even though I walked with my class um, at that point in time, 
I didn't really get my diploma because I got to do a no, a no, another rotation. Um, at that point in time, I, um, I'm talking with the dean of the program, uh, who was Dean Beck at that time. He was, he was an awesome dean. Just trying to get placed for a new, new, um, new rotation so I can get my hospital you know, criteria checked off for yeah. us. There's like so many slots and you got a new class that's coming in and so forth. So um, they couldn't get me into like a new spot to, to a whole year later. But in that time, I assisted the director in one of his kinesiology lab, lab classes. So I helped out with, with that and sometimes actually like lead in class when he wouldn't, wouldn't show up. But And then also work with uh, TLSPT who had a contract with FSU so working with with students, basically doing physical therapy, and um, learn a whole bunch from from Teresa. She's an awesome person. So uh, you enjoyed that experience. Oh, it was a great experience. And Teresa is yeah, like I even like babysat for Teresa. But uh, <laughs> um, so it's funny, right? What seemed like a disaster <laughs> yeah. ended up being a good thing for you. Yeah, right? it was a great thing. The year goes by, and and it's the next summer, and I get placed with a new rotation uh, internship at uh, Archibald Archibald Medical Center in Thomasville. And it comes around to time me to take my PT exam. I was going through some other things too that was like more personal stuff, so to speak. Um, I wasn't sleeping a whole lot that whole year, and so like I don't know. So I, I got around to taking my exam. I thought I was ready, but apparently I wasn't completely ready, and um, so I didn't pass it. So I said, "Well, whatever." Now this uh, is a is it a hands-on a, exam or a book like a, a book a yeah. book exam? Yeah, so okay. a national national board exam. So I said, I'll just retake it. And it's got to a point where like, eh, it's never like retook it, mm. so to speak. But at that point in time, I was also like doing personal training through this. When I was like working that summer, I was doing my internship at um, Archibald. I couldn't, I, so I had to quit my job at TOSPT working at FSU because of my rotation. So I started, actually started doing some, like on the weekends I work at Plantation Health and Fitness, but that's how I got into like doing personal training. So I first started, like, I think I was like working the front desk. Then I got certified for personal training. Um, Had you lifted weights before? I mean, was that part of, I mean, obviously probably lifted weights, but yeah. I mean, as far as in a, in a formal like training environment, did you know a lot about that? Um, I mean, I was always active growing up. I mean, I started lifting weights myself when I was in, in middle school. Right. Yeah. And in my garage, you might hold a weight set, whatever, yeah. and, you know, trying to be buff at, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a son who's in who high does school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like I, I let that go a lot in, in high school, though, because we were running so much. And I actually, when high school ended, I quit running for a while and just worked out all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I put on quite a bit of weight um, post high school. I was like 132 when I graduated from high school, and like my first, my, in my first year in college, I was like, like 150 or something like that. So I started doing personal training, like in the evening times. Like I would, I would go do my internship at Thomasville. Uh, Archibald, drive back to Tallahassee and see like, you know, like three or four clients in the evening time. So um, when did it click in your head that you might be able to have a business doing yeah, that that's personal how, training? That's how it all came together. You know, you're finishing PG school and things not working out completely as planned with that. And then you're know, starting working at, you know, Plantation Health and Wellness and getting certified and then working, you know, internship in Thomasville, doing training sessions in the evening. When Plantation Health and Wellness became, before it became premier, Len Harvey, who just retired right. not yeah. that long ago. So he was my boss at Plantation Health and Fitness. He's like, 
Like one day he brought me into his office. So like, what do you want to do at the new gym when it opens? Like, what's your role? What do you want to like? How do you want to you know, be a part of you know Premier Health Well Clubs? Well, actually, I don't want to be a part of Premier. Health <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not the answer he was looking for. Um, so um, um, I mean, he was an easygoing guy. Um, yeah. But um, so like, I, I told him like what I wanted to do. I was like, I like, I want to like do this whole like business thing where I'm like bridging the gap between like rehab and fitness. Like I'm using my background in, in PT and, and orthopedics, which I love and and then been doing the training. It's like, I just want to like, you know, do this business called like fit and functional. I think at the time I heard it, I had already like came up with a name. It took mm-hmm. me a while to come up with it. The fit and functional and PT and the whole physical therapy world, the whole goal is, is getting its function, getting your patient back to the highest functional level before the discharge. Right. Um, so that's how the whole name came about, fit and functional. So, and that was like not long after that. It's like I kind of like knew that I wanted to like work towards, you know, this whole goal of uh, starting a business of my own and, and having it be in like, you know, rehab and fitness. Right. So. So you're kind of just marrying the two things you were interested in, yeah, with the business side, which you didn't give up on, right? Right, and then the but you've learned so much about the fitness and the PT and all that stuff, exactly. It'll keep you to do that. So, in 2000, right, mm-hmm. you founded Fit and Functional, exactly. So, what did it look like when you first put out your shingle for the first time? Um, <laughs> was it just you? Were you? Did you have no, a I mean, space? There was, what, there what was, was no it? shingle the first <laughs> I first started Fit and Functional. Um, so like what happened? So I I quit working for for Plantation Health and Fitness and Premier when it became that. I they allowed me to work as an independent you know trainer okay. uh, in at a Premier. They only allowed individuals who are already kind of like working at Plantation Health and Wellness to do that. So I was thankful for for that as well. So I even though I was at Premier like, seeing clients, I wasn't working i just paid rent to them basically um so i i saw clients there um at that point in time i was also at that point i was working for myself so i was like oh like you know i'm not seeing enough clients to like really you know like live on so to speak (laughs) so i need to like you know have another other supplemental income so i worked as a as a a physical therapy aide um with stanley smuggler who had a a little small physical therapy practice adjacent to gasvini's pt uh, PT, uh, uh, chiropractic. So I was doing both and using that as a supplemental income as I grew my business. So I was seeing clients at, uh, at Premier primarily. Uh, at that point, there's a gym called Legends. Yeah. I would see some clients there. I had uh, a few home clients I would go to as well. <laughs> Actually, I had a, another business that I started too called um, Home Massage and Flexibility Services. So I would contract out massage therapists to do home sessions and I would all, myself, I would do like flexibility sessions of like out call basically. Um, so I also did that for a what while. Is, well. What do you mean out call? What does that mean? Uh, going to the homes or okay. whatever it may be. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, that's what I did. And so not until like two, uh, 2004, well, actually before then, I had like a small space. I did some stuff with some, car, some chiropractors in town too with uh, Dr. Ryan Finn and then uh, Dr. Adrian Hill, who's in Crawfordville. So at that point, are you advertising or marketing or trying to do word of mouth or something as a location, you know, place to work out? Or is it still through relationships from personal training? Um, it's through relationships. So at that point in time, me uh, opened my own space. Um, it was the right size, the right price. <laughs> I had enough clientele at that point in time. I, I also, at that point, I had quit the PT office a while ago, a while before that. So I had enough income coming in to to go into this space and 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 do what I needed to do. Uh, my only 
at that caveat at that caveat at that time was like you know buying the all the equipment that was needed. Right. Um, a bank would would not give me a loan because I was considered I guess like a new business even though I was in business you know before then, but I could new facility wise. So I just got the equipment financed through the actual you know, equipment company okay. itself. So how much, do you remember how much you had to invest in to get that started? Uh, it was right around like total, getting everything up and going. Probably like the equipment itself was like thirty, $32,000 and probably like an additional like maybe five to $7,000 just getting into the space and right. doing like cosmetic stuff. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a big chunk of money. Yeah, compared to like how things are today, that's you know, it's, it's very cheap. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll get to what you offer now, and I'm sure you wish you could get it for thirty thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Um, so, what was when you're starting? Kind of, I know the being fit and functional part, but kind of what is your vision? What in your head? What's going to be different about fit and functional than the other options that people might have when you, when you were first getting started? I guess one reason why I, I grew at a pretty fast clip when I started, when I opened my own space, is my background in rehab and PT was the strong point. Even when I was at when I was at Premier, because I, I, I brought all my clients from there over to my new studio, except for a couple who wanted to stay there for a while. But it was my background in rehab and PT. So like with any time anyone had an issue or limitation, you know, beyond the scope of another trainer. They would just say, oh, just go see Sherman. Oh, what, I can't do that. Just go see Sherman. And also, one big thing, too, at that point in time, like, no trainers were doing anything hands-on with their, with their patients. I'm sorry, with their clients. Like, back then, it's kind of changed over time. But at that point in time, you know, there was, like, trainers weren't really, uh, quote-unquote, allowed to, like, do anything hands-on with their – it was beyond their scope of practice, so to speak, okay. to stretch out their client to, like, you know – do whatever it may be. It would just be so do so many of these, so many yeah, of these, that kind of thing. That type of thing. And uh, right. I was the only one, even was at Plantation Health and, and Premier, you know, doing anything hands-on. Putting your hands on people. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. Because okay. that's what I used to, like, you know, in, 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 from therapy. in therapy. Yeah. Right. So I, I would spend time stretching out my clients. You know, if they had like, you know, um, like a shoulder or knee or something, bringing it back, um, I would, you know, address it. Right. You know, because I had the knowledge to do so. Um, so that, the, that was the biggest thing that kind of like, you know, you know, just kind of like stood out and I guess helped me propel faster than normal an average trainer would at that point in time. Okay. So did people buy into that right away? Was that a, was that a driving force to help build your business that it was something different than they could get other places? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, that, I mean, one of the biggest things I get clients, they, they got really great results and this is not to like to toot my own horn by any means but the majority of the time i would say like more than 90 percent of the time if someone came into me with a limitation uh i would get them past that limitation to a certain degree they can function at a higher level mm. and that's all they really want and that goes back to like you know, being in you know, in pt practice it's like you know and that's one thing i love about physical therapy and it's a part of my passion too itself it's like you know if someone's coming in with a limitation, like it's like your job to like, okay, this person is not functioning at a level that they potentially can be. Right. Okay. So, um, like, that's my. It's now become my job to help them get to a higher functional level and to address address their limitation. So, um, in what age groups are you working with? Uh, all age groups. It's um, you know, primarily your your 
I mean, you're baby boomers now, like you're 60 plus individuals, but but all age groups from from high school age up mainly. You know, we have people coming in who are who are athletes that have you know certain things they have have inj- injury, injuries or limitations that they're trying to get beyond as well, and just for like recovery things, just maintaining you know a level of recovery and performance, you know, is also right. Yeah. Okay. You've mentioned some of the uh, certifications that you've gotten over the years, but mm-hmm. from from information I found is mainly from your website is a strength and conditioning coach personal trainer, of course, flexibility therapist, wellness coach, running coach. I'm sure there are probably some other ones too. But I mean, are all those, how do all those help you in working with clients? And is it something that you continue to pursue? I I don't know how many more certifications there are, Mm -hmm. but um, tell me about your, it seems like you have a real desire to be as equipped as you possibly can to help your clients. Tell me me about that thought process, how that all works. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It all comes together in... um you know, it's some of those certifications, like, I mean, they can be used to, like, really specialize in being, in, and see work with a certain population. It helps me, like, kind of, like, be able to, when I'm faced with a, a situation with a client, they may be a runner with a certain limitation or, or injury they're recovering from. You know, so, you know, being a flexibility therapist, my background in PT, being a certified running coach, like, I can help them on multiple levels, you know. Yeah, beyond just, you know, stretching them out and, and working on core conditioning itself. So all those are tools. Like when you when you even as a certified trainer, I mean you have to go through continued education core you know, and you know, to maintain your certification. Right. So, you know, a lot of times you know, you're getting these additional certifications, you know, as part of maintaining your 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 main oh, okay. certification. So that makes sense. Um so you just you start building things underneath your belt. Okay. So what do you enjoy most about what you do? Uh, I enjoy the "Quote unquote freedom of being an entrepreneur." <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> well, let me ask you about that. I meant to ask you about that before. You know, there, there's there's a great book about this written written called The E Myth, uh-huh. and it's that just because you're good at what you do doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be good at running a business. Right. Doing what you do. I read, I read that book. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so um, it's a little scary, but uh, so I mean, do you enjoy the running the business part and being a business owner? How does that, do you do you like that part? Um, I do. I enjoy that part. Um, it's yeah, it's the most challenging part in itself. But at the same time, um, I prefer it over you know working for someone else. I prefer it you know, sitting behind a desk. It's like one of those things like about being an entrepreneur and just being a business owner. And I, I'm by no means to the at a point where I'm I'm I think I've reached my goal at all. Right. Um, it's constantly a learning. You know, experience um, like every day, every week, every month, every year. But I mean, I love the fact that it's it's like my goal, my vision. Even though there's you know, been times where it hasn't worked out the way I want it to do work out. Um, there's been times in the early year, years where people like, "Oh, like, why are you even doing that?" When they don't see you know, what you see. Hey, everybody! Just a quick reminder that this episode is brought to you by Fiori Communications. Just like people. Every business has a story to tell, and we've been helping our clients tell their story since 2001, because who you are as a company is just as important as what you do. To learn more about how telling your story can make a difference in your business, visit FioriCommunications.com. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Becoming a 
a business owner and starting to hire people, what, what experience did you have related to employment and hiring people? Yeah. So my, uh, first experience was that I had a, a trainer who worked with me. Um, his name was Micaiah. And this was like in 2000, maybe six is like two years after opening my location, uh, first actual real location for fit and functional and growing really fast in that location. I needed some additional help. And this guy, who Micaiah, he, uh, he was looking for, he just graduated from FSU at exercise science. He's worked at Gold's Gym for a little bit and was looking for like another training position. So he came on at Fit and Functional. Having a, that experience of my first employee was a person that really grasps the, uh, the concept of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. <laughs> and business. He had a passion to grow. He wanted to learn everything that I was doing and he pretty much kind of like mirrored those things, uh, even to the point where people thought he was the owner of the business. So he took, uh, I guess, great pride in uh, in fit and functional and the growth of fit and functional. Okay. Was uh, that a good thing to you? It was a very good thing. Yeah. But that was my first experience as a, with an employee. So you thought everybody would be that way? Exactly. And they, were. <laughs> and they weren't. Yeah. So I understand. So he had a passion for you, for the business, wanted right. to make like it was his own. Yes. We, uh, we, we, the time that he was there, we doubled in revenue. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good thing. But yeah. your experience was not the same with everyone else. Correct. So how did you adapt there? How did you, how did you adjust your expectations when you realized everybody wouldn't be as great as him? Well, it took me a few years to figure that out. <laughs> um, after going through some other employees, I just I realized and learned. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I've also learned along the way that as part of my responsibility to help the ones that have the desire but may not have all the skills. Right. You know, help them get there, and then in turn they'll help you as well. Right. So so I, I love the business side of it. But I mean, also love you know, the ability to help individuals, also. Right. Yeah. All right. So I, I interrupted you before, but when you talk about what you know, what really drives you in as far as what you enjoy doing in your business, you know, I assume it has to do with the success of individuals and seeing them, you know, improve. But mm-hmm. but what really gets you excited about going to work every day, and and what you know, the potential outcomes you can help achieve for people. Yeah. It's always an opportunity for growth in many ways. <laughs> Personal growth, business growth, <laughs> growth right. for our clients. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's for me again. It's, it's this vision of like what could be, and sometimes you get trapped in the now, or you know, dealing with certain you know issues within the business, or even personal issues. You know, you kind of like blind it from like all right from what should be happening or where you should be going. I was in that for a while, not anymore, but yeah, the main driving thing for me is just like, I always have this these, this vision, I have this vision. Getting up each day is an opportunity for, the, for me to work on that vision. And that's you know, within the business itself, it's like within our clients and, and everything that comes together. I'm, I'm thankful for our clients and I, I wouldn't be where I am now without the clients. And I think about that often as well, how appreciative I am of our clients that fit and functional and so forth. And right. a lot of them have been with us for many, many years. Are you getting closer to that vision, what you have in your head? Um, as, as an entrepreneur, you're never close. <laughs> <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> I, I guess the, it always, the goal always changes, right? Um, yeah, I, I can say that um, right now we're at a point where I'm happy that we're there. It's, it was a point I've been working towards 
for a, a while that was halted for a period of time. Mm. Well, tell us about Fit and Functional today. What, yeah. Where are you? What are you doing? What services are you providing? This is your chance to kind of just tell us all about the company, <laughs> you know, as it is right now. All right. Well, Fit and Functional itself, I mean, we have two locations here in Tallahassee. We have a, a Midtown location and a Northside location on Cary Forest Parkway. Fit and Functional, we are we are a personal fitness and wellness studio. We're not, we don't consider ourselves as a gym. All our, our sessions are by appointment mainly, and we focus on you know personalized fitness for your general population. And uh, but we also have you know a component where we work with individuals who are going through limitations. Um, we call it post rehab conditioning. That can be any any facet of of type of limitation when it comes to your physical health uh, through you know, hips, backs, shoulders, whatever it may be, uh, mobility, flexibility. We do quite a bit of hands-on flexibility therapy as well. I'm not the only one that's certified in that on my team. I have uh, others. And uh, that's been a growing, a growing part of our business, just focusing on that even more because most people don't realize that flexibility is one of the main five components of being physically fit. Um, I do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yes. uh, and or more, lack of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, more people recognize that you know that these days, and it's become more mainstream. But it's something that we've always done, and yeah. and trying to do more of that as well. And uh, working towards getting to the point, where we're doing more recovery sessions as well. Recovery is just you know when you when you're exercising, working out. There's the the strength training and working out component, but there's also the recovery component. Um, they go hand in hand to advance your your functional capacity and your overall strength. And we're working on doing more of that, right. especially a lot with athletes and, and with runners and so forth that come in for like maintenance for right. flexibility therapy and myofascial um, and compression therapy as well. You have group classes as well as individual training? We do. We do a small group session. So we're not like, a, we don't do anything large group wise. So our small group sessions are like, you know, uh, roughly around four individuals. And uh, we do this at our Midtown locations and Carry Force location. Uh, majority, we have more sessions at our Carry Force locations for small group uh, okay. versus um, Midtown. Yeah. And you're obviously not doing this by yourself, right? You've got no, I have a, a team. team who yes, helps. Yes, yeah. yes. I have a team. I have uh, six other trainers that work with me and uh, front desk staff and bookkeeper and, and so forth, all those things that that helped me uh, keep running. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you ever take the time? I know you said you never stop pushing because you're, you know, that's the way entrepreneurs think. But do you ever look back and just kind of take a minute to appreciate, you know, that what you've built and and that you're providing jobs and helping people get better on a bigger scale than definitely than when you started? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's um, you know, being thankful again for like what you have done and where you've come, the point I've come to. And I look at that and, and a lot of people, and a lot of people from the outside, like, oh, like you're so successful. You've like done so much. And, and I say like, oh man, I don't really think that way. <laughs> but I mean, I, but at the same time, even though I say that I do sit back and, and appreciate, you know, the process and where we are. It could, right. be, it could be completely different as well. So. When you said things were halted for a while, was that COVID related? No, um, even before COVID, there was you know just some transitional things. Even like because I've been in business for over twenty two years, and right? So like, you have your whole like economic thing in back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Right. That was a strong big. That was my. That was that was rough. That was my true test as an individual and as a business owner. At that point in time, I was doing really well. Uh, for myself, I opened up a second location and um, was it was called Group Fit Ninety. It was all just group sessions, and that opened in two thousand eight, not knowing what was going to happen later that year and the, the following year, um, taking on quite a deal of debt mm -hmm. at that time. 
uh, way more than I was currently, you know, paying with my current location at that time at, at, at for fit and functional. But I had the capital to do it, and I, I ran the numbers. Like even if you know this doesn't work, I am still making revenue enough to like cover everything and right. pay, and pay myself. But but that was before I knew that there was going to be an economic downturn. Yeah, there was like a thirty percent drop in my uh, revenue at fit and functional on top of like opening up a new studio whether my overhead was you know three four times what it was mm. prior so that was that was like a true moment yeah. test for me and uh, where i had to cut back i i decreased my my individual pay for myself 75 percent. got roommates from my house luckily i owned my own house at the time and and, and rented out two of my rooms to pay mortgage yeah and um a lot of people were doing <laughs> yeah stuff so, they wouldn't have imagined uh, yeah and just and just cut back every way yeah. i could and and did that for a little period of time and things started to recover in 2012 and 13. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're here. You made yeah. it through. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Two final questions. One is Sherman, looking back, what is the one thing or person that changed or altered the trajectory of your life to this point? I remember one day after church, we were outside of the church building and my friend, his dad, said something to me like, his name is Harold. He said, well, you know, we go through this life only one time and you want to make the best of it or something to that degree. I don't, it's not exact words, but that was like, because until that point in time, I was like pondering about like, am I going to do this? Am I going to take this step or going into the, adding my own space? And am I gonna really going to do fit and function? Or am I just going to move to Miami and just work for a corporate facility gym there? Because I had the opportunity as well. So he said that and I was like, okay, I got it. I'm you gonna, need to go for it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right. So that's that's stuck out stuck out in my mind oh, this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing sometimes how people can just make a comment. Yeah. That can really, you know, that really sticks to you for some reason. I mean, people say stuff to us all the time, but yeah. certain things really yeah. sink in for some reason. Mm-hmm. Final question: This podcast is named "How I Got Here," mm-hmm. so we've talked about how you got to this point in your life. Right. Where do you think here might be for you? in three to five years from now? That's a hard question, and I really don't like answering those questions. (laughs) Because I've learned through the years that life deals you hands that you may not be prepared for and changes your direction, Mm -hmm. which is okay, and I'm okay with that completely. I guess I can tell you like my hopes, but... um, I'm not gonna come back and say, look, (laughs) you were wrong. (laughs) Um, Because things change every year, you know? Sure. Um, but I would say, like, you know, right now, I would you know, ideally have just continued growth at my current locations and uh, growing my staff, getting uh, our recovery program, which I'm, we're about to add in that new category and really push that forward with a fit and functional. And hoping and having a actual another like, licensed PT on staff as well is a goal within the next couple of years. It's been a goal for a while, but I really want to try to make that happen within the next you know, year or two to help push some other programs that we're working towards as well that's going to help individuals be more functional along the way. Thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe at Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Thanks to my amazing staff at Fiori Communications who pick up the slack while I'm working on these podcasts and to Troy Bloom for composing our theme music. You can hear more of Troy's creations on Facebook and Instagram at Troy Bloom Music. To connect with the podcast or suggest a future guest, 
follow us on social media or email us at podcast at fioricommunications.com.